take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. I want to welcome you to another episode of Field Preachers Podcast. I'm Paul Nixon, and I'm here today with Ray Jackson, who is the pastor of two communities in Washington, D.C., and was a part of the planting of yet another. Ray has been involved in church planting and community organizing for quite a few years and has taught me quite a bit over time. Um, we both live in Washington, D.C. Ray, welcome to Field Preachers. How are you doing today? Hey, Paul, I am uh, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. And listen, let me tell you, for um, a mogul such as yourself to say that I taught you anything, I do not take lightly. I'm humbled by that comment because you've taught me way more. <laughs> so what did you just call me, a mogul? <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. A Man, mogul. that's awesome. I, I, I don't think I've ever been um, called a mogul before. I think I think that's a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> it absolutely is. Absolutely. So the table, the well, the bridge, three distinct communities and how they gather, who they gather, how they do faith. Each Christian faith communities in, in Washington, D.C., each connected in various ways over time with the United Methodist Church. When I met you, I think it was before you were launching the table, but um, that's been a good 10 years over, over that time. How has planting with young adults in the city, in this city, changed over the past decade? What's what's changing? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because um, planting with young adults itself is an ever evolutionary, you know, thing, um, just because each generation is just different from the one before it. Um, and then there's so many trends that happen so fast, right? You can learn a hashtag today and it's a different hashtag tomorrow. Um, but I think that is to me, what, um, has sort of shifted and continues to shift is just learning what the, um, w- learning sort of like what the trends in the culture, um, uh, from month to month and year to year are. Um, I mean, I think that there are certain things that stay the same, right? So, um, the way you reach out, the way you respond to people, the way that you talk to people, but it's just also about learning the language right like now we're in a society where pronouns are a big thing right and we didn't have that before so um understanding that and understanding whatever politics are happening and in dc specifically are in the dmv we have so many young people who are coming from college um into the city and a lot of them are coming to either um indulge in the uh, in politics or government or nonprofit. Right. So there's all this justice work that's getting done. Um, and so it's really just about how you reach out, learning and understanding where we are in those arenas and in that culture um, and, and, and choosing the best way to learn, being able to learn and grow. And let me say this, too. Lastly, um, it's also um, being able to um, be able to sort of know what the, the language is that they're using is important because um, you can easily offend people nowadays if you don't know the correct uh, language to use. So it's just, it's a, it's a matter of learning. It's a matter of learning every single year. So it sounds like a pretty dynamic cultural setting where from one conversation to the next, you could be skipping from one culture to another and, um, and then back again, all in 30 minutes, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they want to know truth. 
this this the the young generation now wants to know truth. They don't want um, the sort of like over you know um, undisclosed type of ministry that you might have had in the past, where like your parents said to do something and you just did it because they want explanation. Like why is the biggest question. So you've got to be in a ministry that really helps them to go through the the education of of, of the ministry. A moment ago, you used the term DMV for our listeners. That is District, Maryland, Virginia, which kind of all flows together in a big blob, urban sprawl, um, three distinct areas. But it does go quite a bit beyond the District of Columbia in terms of our local um, market and community. People are crossing those lines all day and they don't even notice it. Um, What did COVID times teach you in the midst of all this fast change? What? What changed in COVID in your work, in your experience? Yeah, Um, I think there's a big understanding, an even bigger understanding that we are not God. Um, I think that we're we're sort of understanding that more and more. And I think because of that, we're starting to understand that we don't have all the answers, right? Like building community, building church is not just this one, two-step process. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, a great community. because we learned that the things and the techniques that we were using before in a lot of churches, a lot of those things weren't necessarily working great, but now they're not working at all because the land has changed. The culture has changed. It has been a, a huge paradigm shift. Um, it, it also taught me that the internet um, and is our friend in ministry, and we've just got to learn more how to use that, social media, um, in, in terms of how we reach out, in terms of how we evangelize. Um, and it taught me that we're going to continue to shift and change no matter what. Um, so, yeah, I think, right, like you have to be as prepared as you can be for the, the moment that you're in. But with an understanding that God is in control, God could shift things in the twinkling of an eye. And in the ministry, you've got to be ready um, to receive or approach those moments as they happen in real time. When you say the internet is our friend, I mean, you're talking about technology as it's being experienced today, which there's a lot of wicked stuff that happens on the internet. Um, you know, the disinformation campaigns, all this kind of stuff that goes on. And yet we, it has to be our friend. Um, I, I find that interesting that you're saying that this technology, which can be, um, both good or bad, we, 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 we've got to work with it. We, got, we, we can't just demonize it. We've got to embrace it for the good. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, and so um, when, when I started The Well, I was really big uh, and intentional on wanting The Well to, be, to have an online format, um, right? It is the thing that um, millennials, but most importantly, Gen, uh, Gen uh, Z, um, are engaging with, right? Like, I mean, even our kids nowadays, right? Like they know how to operate an iPad, a, t- a cell phone, um, all that stuff before they're like two. Um, and so if we want to reach them, we've got, we have to make sure that we're utilizing the tools that they utilize the most. Um, and we see that with um, our electronics and internet and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, we've got to be we've got to be present there, and and I think it's important for us to remember, right? Like, um, there's evil in the world, right? Like, there's evil in the world. There are evil in books. There are certain books. There are 
There are TV shows that aren't good for you. There are communities. There's evil at church. There's evil at church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, right, like it's it's our choice of what we choose to use and how we choose to use it. But at, um, if, if we want to stay relevant, we, we have to um, embrace those so-called norms of society of today and figure out how we can best utilize them for the greater good. There was a campus minister a few years ago, I mean, maybe about five or six years ago, who described a change in the year, new group of students, and all of a sudden, everybody was standing around instead of talking to one another, they were standing in this room, they were all looking at their devices. And it was like, oh, okay. Um, There was a shift in terms of the sort of centrality of device in their own um, life experience. And possibly an emerging awkwardness standing in a group of strangers that it was just easy to kind of easier to kind of move back into the device and the relationship that was going there has um, how has the, I guess the, the the sort of an adaptation to screen time as a part of our life existence, how has that impacted community making um, in your, in your work? Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, it's impacted it greatly. I I think when you look at things like, um, you know, we came out of COVID, right? And everybody now, I I remember having a conversation before um, COVID with certain churches, especially in traditional settings. And it was like, you know, well, we'll get to online at some point. We'll we'll engage uh, social media at some point. And then we had this year of COVID where we could not, most of us who were smart realized we could not enter the building we could not be around each other. And the only means really of communicating with each other was through um, these sort of devices, right? And then we all of a sudden went, wow, maybe this is a blessing from God that we can still communicate with people, that we can still reach out. And I think that has been um, evolutionary in the way that we have all had to think about, uh, all had to think about ministry. I, I know there's some um, televangelists and mega churches that they're ahead of the game now, right? Like they realize I, I watch Sunday morning services for some of them and you can hear them say, you know, all the folks here and to my audience at home, right? Like you now have to embrace the people at home, which I think is important and something we missed before because there is an audience at home. And not only is there an audience home, but this type of technology that we have that we have today allows us to move beyond just our community, our direct community neighborhoods, but across the world. I was just doing the statistics for the well, um, looking at the statistics for the well. And it was like amazing to see that we have people that watch us from the UK, people that watch us from South Africa, people that are watching us from different places all over the globe. And that's important. We now have ways to spread the gospel further and wider. And that is tremendous. Um, So why not take advantage of it? When the well started up, one of the things about it that was interesting to me was that it was pop-up, meaning that it was not a community that was locked in to a single time and place, same time, same place, Um, which is unusual in the African-American context because place is a really important thing for African-American churches. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a a multi-kind of community, but how did you decide to go pop-up? How did that idea emerge? That was really outside the normal way of thinking about faith community. Yeah. So one, um, we did not choose Sundays um, because um, uh, Sundays are the typical time of church. And we didn't want to look like we were necessarily in competition 
with other churches. And so we chose to do Thursday evenings. And then when we chose to do Thursday evenings, um, I sort of looked at some of the things that garner that type of um, our bigger crowds are diverse crowds, right? So if you look at football games, which typically happen sometimes on Thursday evenings, the NFL plays on Thursday evenings a lot of times in the fall, the winter. Um, if you look at concerts, right? Concerts garner a lot of attention, a lot of diverse attention. And um, you don't dictate where these things happen, right? Like, you know, they're going to be at a stadium or, you know, they're going to be at um, a comedy club, right? For comedies and stuff like that. But people go, people buy their tickets, people are excited, people go. And I wanted to hone in to that type of excitement. How do we build something that is less about um, meeting in the same place all the time and more about um, building the energy around the cause and the mission? And so that is kind of what led me to do the pop-up because that's the one. Number two, I did not want to be again in competition. So I wanted to be in partnership. The well is built on partnerships. How do we partner with the church that's down the street? How do we partner with another church in this community to make sure that there's effective ministry happening and to focus on the fact that we're this family, right? That we as Christians are this big family. You might be Methodist, you might be Baptist, but guess what? We are still praising and singing and worshiping the same God. So your community can come in, this community can come in, and we can just all do it and just be in different places. It's more about the family connection and the, sure. you, know, you know, yeah, yeah. It's more so about the, the Thursday night became predictable. And once you went online, if I'm in the UK, I don't care what, what part of town you're in if you go back to a live gathering, because it's, it is the same time and same place. So in, in a way, even though it was pop-up, the the internet that technological piece for many people sort of neutralized that it really didn't matter i mean they're looking for you and if i can't find you on thursday i can still find the 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 recording somewhere correct that's it yep so you can always catch the replay yeah yeah um now church has a bad name among a lot of folks especially younger folk these days and it's not getting better overall when you talk about the well what kind of language do you use? I've noticed your language is very distinctive when you talk about the well, and it's a little different than what I often hear is people talk about new faith community. Yeah. Um, so there are two different kind of ways that I explain it. One, I let people know that I'm doing a non-traditional ministry. Um, that sometimes lights up people's faces because, um, you know, they're looking for a way to feel like it, what they're going to or, being, or becoming a part of is exclusive, right? And it's mm-hmm. different. Um, the second thing is we don't really call ourselves a church as much as we say we are creative arts and conscious awareness faith community. Um, and so that just lets people know that we are willing to go beyond um, the traditional thoughts. Um, we're willing to push beyond the traditional barriers that get sometimes put in place. And we're willing to explore spirituality beyond the confinements of, um, of our nurture. Um, so I, I, I push those words, creative arts, one, because it, it moves us out of it's just a choir. It's just a music group. Right? But creative arts, inclusive of actors, um, painters, um, you know, visual artists, dancers. That's our format when we're in person um, and even online to an extent. Um, and then conscious awareness so that we're aware consciously. Um, you know, some people on the left might say you're woke. Right. But whatever that looks like, we're aware that there's someone and something that's bigger than us, higher than us, 
and people seem to resonate with that um, because I think people are in the time again, as I kind of said in the beginning, they want more openness and more understanding um, and less of the, no, this is what I said, so just believe it. Well, you know, wokeness is sort of a funny word. Um, it gets bashed around, but you know, spiritual wokeness is about what we've been around about for a long time. You know, it's help, helping people to wake up to uh, to God reality. Um, the way the, the language you use is a little bit disarming. If I'm, you know, if I have issues with church, you've already kind of disarmed my um, apprehensions by all those different kind of words you used and. And it, it might be the, the fact that you use the word non-traditional, the fact that you used faith community, the fact that you used awareness, the fact that you talked about arts. And in many ways, it was more descriptive because what is a church for a person that's not involved in it? It's just these judgy people inside that inside those bricks over there that make a lot of noise for an hour or two. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all they know. I mean, it, so you gave us actually some description that was um, engaging, even engaging of me. And I'm not. I'm not your demographic necessarily. Yeah. Um, and can I say this too, Paul? Yeah. I think it also, I think what you said is so so great because, right, that is what starts conversation, you know? And so conversation is big. So when I say it or when someone says it, your immediate reaction is, well, what is that? What you is know? that? Yeah. Right. And so now you have a conversation yeah. started. <laughs> Instead of, oh, you're a church person. Yeah. Got it. You know, pushing you away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right. Um, watching you work back a few years ago, was one of the ways that I came to a conviction that the one-on-one meeting, the, the, the personal meeting, um, in a community organizing sense, is really, really the core of what we're doing. And many of us who have not trained in that discipline are still discovering, yeah, that's kind of like what we, what we all do if we do it well. It's finally we get into um, conversations, intentional conversations with people that we try to monitor the time and not just let it go all day, you know, 40 minutes or so. And we're trying to just kind of tease out their story, discover who they are. Um, and, you know, as the more interested I become in your story, actually the more interesting I become often. Well, talk about the one-on-one. What have you learned about that as you apply it to the work of faith community planting? Um, how is it different than just the one-on-one that a, that a, an organizing group might do, you know, as they're trying to, um, read the tea leaves in a community. What, what, what are you doing with that in your work? Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're very similar, honestly. I mean, the one-on-one is probably the, one of the, if not the best tool that I think any church planner can use, right? I think it's the church, if we're going to evangelize, it's all about finding out who's in our communities and then um, forming a community that will help the larger community. And what, We've got to make sure what we have to be very um, mindful of is we're building a church community, a faith community, a ministry, anything is we it's a it's about getting to know um, the people that are around us. Um, You know, the Bible talks about us being one body. Right. We cannot do it without each other. So if we got, you know, one of us is the head. The other one has to be the arm. We need the feet. We need the legs. The one-on-one is a tool that allows us to get to know what part um, what part each person plays, right? Um, as I get to know you, as I sit down and I'm intentional about building a relationship with you for, you know, for a quick 45 minutes, um, I begin to tap into your gifts, your calling, and I listen, right? It's intentionally listening for those key things and those key phrases. What am I hearing? It's about using your discernment if we talk about it spiritually, 
right? So that's the difference. I think when you do it from a ministry standpoint, it's just about understanding the spiritual concepts you're looking for. What is this person's gifts? Um, where is this person need healing? Um, what are um, the special talents that this person brings to the table? Um, where is there an area of need for growth? Um, what is their nurture? Because the Bible talks about being born again, right? So if this is a person who is not um, in a part of the body, um, we're listening to hear, does this person want to be a part of the body? What are some things that we probably could talk about? And lastly, I think also you go into that with the mindset of what is it that this person could teach me? If we're intentional to go, every moment is a divine moment. Mm-hmm. All moments, right? Like there are no mistakes. God places us and puts us in, 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 in relationship with people. Not only what has God placed me in this person's life for, but how could this person be of use to me um, in, my, in my life? What can I learn from this person? If you do it like that, I mean, you know, coffee becomes uh, dinners and dinners become, you know, uh, holidays and holidays become lifelong friends and family. So neat. I've noticed in my own work with one-on-ones that sometimes I'm out in the community working with, um, or like, let, let's say that there's a, um, a new um, mental health care center that's gone in and I made a, uh, an appointment to go talk to the director and she shows me around and she's get, telling me the story. And then I begin to learn about her family and how they're new to the community. And I'm just learning, learning, learning about the ministry, but also about her and what, how she got involved in this and what she did beforehand. Okay. Well, that's just gold, but that's a very different kind of meeting. In some ways it's different. She's a, she's a really um, vital community member and could be a partner and who knows what kind of relationship who, I mean, it's just the possibilities are endless. And then there's the person who in a conventional church who's joined the church. And I often have tried to do one-on-ones with as many of those folks as I could to get him to sit down and just discover um, what their passions are. Mm-hmm. You know? They're, there are, they're, they're deeper inside the church community, but, but um, the, the one-on-one there is really helpful too. I mean, so for the person that's coming in, um, to the community, we discover, you know, they're um, um, a musician of some sort, or they're a master gardener. They had something that they're that they're all about, and 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 then discovering this is what makes this person tick. This is this is their energy, and thinking and looking for the possibilities of maybe other persons that are interested in the same thing, or just seeing where the dots can connect, and just that that's endlessly fun for me. I don't know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. And I imagine, Paul. I mean, you 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 travel the world, so. I can imagine that the one-on-ones that you're getting to do, it, you know, all over the world, you you just probably have met some people that not only are, I mean, I'm sure you, you've met people locally to whatever local church you might have worked with, but then I'm sure like it probably is great to, and I've, I've seen this happen, right? Like you meet people who are international, um, you know, or domestic and, and you're going, wow, like you got to meet the people back here in the States or you got to meet these folks over here. And I think it makes a larger connection, which just creates, again, this larger network. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that happen. Yeah. I don't think it personally, because I do um, work across um, international lines. I don't think it makes any difference if I'm connecting a person in Brazil with a person in England, or if I'm connecting two people who live in the same town, Um, if they don't know each other, um, I'm, you know, and I see that they've got, there's some possible synergy there. I want to, I just love being a connector, you know, and pulling people together, seeing what, seeing what begins to, what begins to happen. So is, is one-on-one work, is that still a part of your rhythm? Is that part of how you? 
yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and even even during COVID, right? Like I, I might couldn't go to meet a person in person, which I prefer yes. to be in person. But I mean, you can hold a virtual one on one. You know, with the bridge, I was hired um, November one. And so, like, the majority of meeting my team <laughs> was all virtual. That's that's like um, in a lockdown situation almost during yeah. us during the beginning of the winter surge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was almost all virtual, but it still worked out. You know, I mean, once you come accustomed to like a flow and understanding the flow, you know, you could do a one on one with your eyes closed. But, um, you know, that was still fun. You still get again. Right. There we are using the virtual world, using technology um, to, to continually build ministry. So it shows you that it can still work in any sort of format. It can still work. It is just different. Um, several years ago, um, Paul Rauschenbusch famously asked Diana Butler Bass on NPR he, where the church would be in 50 years. And her answer was just like instantaneous. She said on the internet. Mm. And it was like, almost, I was li- listening as I was driving, I almost drive, drove off the road. I thought, <laughs> wow, that is just so clear. And it's just so true. And I just, it, it, it wasn't like that's going to be a side dish. It's like, that's going to be a major highway of human interconnectivity and we better we better um get ready for that and live into that well we're only 10 years into that 50 years of of his question and it seems like we're well down that road um but the question for me right now that i'm pondering is how do we develop a sense of community in the sense of what that's meant for christians over the years how do we develop community um knowing one another, being able to reach out and touch and to encourage when people are sad or discouraged, um, to band around somebody that's having a tough week, to come together in activism for something with where the spirit's moving. And certainly how do we do that without being in the same place? I mean, that's what, what are you learning about that? Yeah, that is possible. Listen, I, you go back, and um, so some of us, right, and I'm part of the millennial generation that they talk about. There was an article I read where, you know, we're that transition generation where, like, you had your, you, you were young enough, you're old enough to remember what it was like to have a house phone, um, but you are also young enough to know how to explain TikTok and Twitter and, you know, all this stuff. Well, if you go back and you remember, like, like back in the past, right, we had things like pen pals. Um, you had a friend that you would write, right? And you would send a letter to. They could be in Texas and you might be in like Connecticut, right? And so, but you you consider yourselves friends and you look forward to writing those letters. Technology has just allowed us to advance and evolve in how we do pen pals, right? We right. are able to um we're able to connect to people all across the world and learn, and it opens us up to learning more about cultures. People can FaceTime and people can Zoom and people have um, meeting rooms now on Facebook where they can see um, what's happening uh, in real time around uh, different communities and environments where people live. So that's one. It allows us to keep that same sort of sense of being a pen pal um, into this generation. I think the other piece, right, um, with the well specifically, what I love is that because we have been such a virtual online platform, um, is that we're growing this organic, um, this organic family and community that engages, and they look forward to every Thursday being with us. Um, you know, I was just my co my my co laborers and I, my co host and I, were just saying the other day that it seemed like in our conversation 
the the responses and the text were going faster than our own conversation. Um, but they look forward to seeing they they look forward to being online with each other every single week. They're they they've sectioned off their Thursdays and they're talking to each other. And so they'll take the conversation we're having and they just kind of move forward with it in their own way and still stay in tune with us, which is great. We we're not trying to hog the conversation. We're really just trying to get the conversation started, the ministry started, and allow them the opportunity to 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 take it, run with it, be a part of it. Um, and play a collective, um, you know, part uh, in in the conversation. So, yeah, I think you know, I I think we've we've just come to a place where we've we've got to open our minds and allow ourselves to see that community is just being expanded. Technology does not hurt it if we're um, mindful how we use it. And let me say this too: in politics, we see it right. Like you've got people who are part of a Republican group or a Democratic group or independent group. And right, like they have forums and they have rooms where they're talking. A friend of mine who just got over cancer has the same thing for her cancer. She has help groups and groups that she can't wait to get on every week with and have communications about how things are happening, how people have healed, what people are experiencing, what symptoms they're experiencing. And there's a community. So community happens as long as we're intentional about it and we have communication. That's community. It really is true. It really is true. When I, I interviewed on this podcast, I believe I interviewed um, a pastor of a recovery church um, several months ago about the, as we were going into COVID and it was like um, thinking this is a crisis. All these people have their group. They're holding on, you know, by the skin of their teeth and their group is what's helping them with their sobriety and groups aren't meeting. And it was like, Oh man, the, the, um, the 12 step groups, they, they adapted so fast, so fast. And the, the spirit and the interactivity of those groups, just, it just um, skipped tracks and the, the train almost didn't even bounce. It just was such a smooth transition. And it, yeah. it was amazing to me because a little bit, because I've, you know, I've been around enough pre-internet that it still surprised me that community could, could transition like that. Do you think that the, that the well will continue to be a hybrid community, both with um, physical gatherings, as it's safe to do so, and also a, a digital um, reach that transcends physical space? Yeah, I, I think we have no choice. Um, you know, I think um, the blessing is so uh, in my area. Um, so PG County is a part of Maryland that sits right directly east of uh, the D.C. area. And so, as you said earlier, like, like the D.C., um, Maryland and Virginia areas sort of work together at times. Like there are some people who just travel from, from one to the other for work or they live in the other. Um, what this has allowed us to do is we hold our, host our virtual on Thursdays. Um, and maybe we'll get back to being in person on Thursdays as well. Um, I think virtually we're growing and we, we're there. But what it allows us to do is that other times of the week, we can partner with different entities like we're doing in PG County. So we're part of the state's attorney has our streets, our future initiative, where she's trying to help uh, prevent violence uh, and prevent carjackings, which are at an all time high. We've been able to partner with them um, and host events with them um, and with the community. So right. Building those relationships help us to then go out and do other activities outside of Thursdays that allow us to still be in person at times and then come back for the virtual. So being virtual, I don't think you should 
I don't. I think I don't totally think that you you should do everything exclusively virtual, but um, you should have other ways that your people can gather when appropriate or uh, when when able to, if if possible. I could see where you could also. You wouldn't have to have your your locality in just centered in one particular place. You could do the well and have a community that's integrate that's that's rooted in what's going on in say um, 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 Brooklyn, New York, yeah. and you could have one in Denver, you could have one in London. Those could all be a part of the well, but still rooted in a community. So it wouldn't have to necessarily, if you're going to, once you open up the, the, the breadth of it, local church doesn't have to just be in one postal code, you know? Paul, I didn't know you were prophetic. Are you thinking about this already? Are you ahead of I, me on this? Yeah, I, I listen. I said I don't know if you know, but you're—I I don't know if you know—you're prophetic, uh, but you're speaking prophetically, man. I, that is the vision uh, and the goal is that I—I um, I really do see. Um, I really hope and pray and see this ministry grow into that place. Like I would love um, to be able to travel and to help folks um, think about creative and innovative ways of doing ministry, and if that looks like the well, that'd be cool. Um, one of our leaders, one of our squad leaders, we call our leader squad. One of our squad members is in um, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and so every Thursday, right, it gives them an opportunity to be live with us on Thursdays. Um, and so we've talked about what does it look like to build a community intentionally there. One of our other folks who um, she is really, uh, we call her our comment squad leader because she's always leading the comment section. Um, she just moved, but she was in Georgia. And so um, we were talking about what it looked like to connect to folks in the Atlanta area um, and grow. So yeah, right? Like it, it it becomes virtual, but then it becomes this bigger thing. Imagine what it would look like if on the same day, folks in the DMV of Maryland, DC and Virginia, folks in uh, Tennessee and folks somewhere in France were to do um, some sort of rally or love or outing um, in the same time and be able to virtually just have a camera up and capture all of that, it would be amazing. Well, that's so, where we live. We're technologically just about uh, maybe one block short of being there. I, I mean, we actually have the technology, but but we will. Everybody will have it. It'll be so easy just within probably just a few months. Yeah, I could I could talk to you forever, Ray. You're fun, um, but we're out of time. Oh man! <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll have to pick this up again in the future soon. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I enjoy I enjoy my time with you all all the time, Paul. This is Field Preacher Podcast. It is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. If you would like to know more about either the bridge, which we didn't get to talk a lot about, that is a um, a faith community based at Asbury United Methodist Church, a historic downtown church in Washington, or to know more about the well. Um, how would we? How would we find out more, right? Yeah, so um, you can check us out, um, thebridgedcumc.org, uh, thebridgedcumc.org. Um, and on our social media platforms, it's just The Bridge DC um, on both Facebook and Instagram. And then for The Well, everything is the same encounter for The Well, E-N-C-O-U-N-T-E-R, The Well. Um, and that's www.encounterthewell.org. And then on Facebook and Instagram, they're both Encounter The Well. Or you can just follow me and all my stuff is I am Ray Jackson. I am R-A-I Jackson. Awesome. Ray, thanks for being here. We thank you to our listeners. 
We look forward to continuing conversations around what it means to be church in this age. This is Field Preachers Podcast. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.